0: Coming live from Wales, United Kingdom, is our guest tonight. Welcome to this very special edition of the KJ Masterclass Live, the show which ensures that you profit from your time spent here with experts, either through the industry insights, information, or simply learning from them. And today we have Catherine Levelin, thought leader and self mastery catalyst, and she has over 30 years of facilitating senior leaders to lead change successfully and exceed all their expectations, and she has also written several books. Welcome to the show, Catherine.
1: Thank you, Ajay. Wonderful to be here.
0: Thank you. Thank you. And it's great to have you on the show, Catherine. So we'll be talking about, you know, how uh, powerful and human leadership can bring a lot of change, not just in 2023, but also beyond that. But to understand in uh, from you, Catherine, is that, we are talking two words at the same time: powerful and humane. Do yes, they absolutely. do they meet all the time? Sometimes, or nowadays, it's not meeting at all. How do you see it? What is your experience? How do you? How would you like to help us understand about leadership with these two words in between?
1: It's it's a, such a good question because very often in life, it feels like we're at a crossroads and we have to choose between being powerful or being humane. And very often it's, okay, if I'm kind and considerate, I may not get what I want, possibly. Or if I follow what I want, I may then not be considering other people as much as I should be. But I think that that's only on one level that that's true. There's always another level where that isn't really true. There's another level, a a more elevated level, let's say, where being powerful and being humane work together where they are the same thing. And the reason I say that is because the most powerful way to be is where we are tuning into the reality of what it is to be human because we are human after all. And if we can tune into that reality and understand it and tend to it and be considerate to it, that's where the power really lies actually in the end. I had a client for a long time who used to say, Catherine, I'm fed up with these people, these, these business leaders who only focus on the, the figures, the bottom line figures, and they try to work the figures all the time. That He said, these people don't understand that what creates the figures is the people, and what has the people create the figures is when the people are productive, and what has the people be productive is when the people are happy and fulfilled and properly taken care of. So actually humane leadership is much more powerful if if you're thinking anything beyond the very short term. You know, in the very short term, you might achieve more by, by not being humane. But in the medium term and the long term, being humane is much, much more
0: powerful. Okay, and how do you tell that to the present leadership that we see around? Now, we, can't, we, uh, even we can talk about the political leadership, but that's not the area we, we would like to discuss at this point in time. So in terms yeah. of organizational leaderships, leadership, leadership uh, which is running organizations and companies and all that stuff. So how do we know exactly what is the type of leadership that is needed right now? We know human leadership is needed. But then how do the leaderships know that human leadership is needed and not the type of leadership that they are providing, which is leading to the great resignation, leading to many therapists coming into our offices, into our workplaces, and leading to so much toxicity also in our workplaces? And nobody is doing anything about it, as they say. Only humans are uh, your leaders are looking at figures. Humans exist only figuratively. And that is the thing that needs to be changing. How would yeah. you like to address this? What sort of leadership is needed right now? What would you like to tell those leaders at the moment?
1: So first off, I think most leaders know that humane leadership is the most powerful thing. I think most leaders actually know that because every leader has had a boss at one point or another. And every leader knows the difference between a humane boss and a dominating Um, ignorant, (laughs) unsupported boss. So we all know that in our heart. We know that experience. But that doesn't necessarily mean we know how to do it effectively because every leader is under pressure right now because nobody knows what's going to happen in the economy. No one knows what's going to happen in the marketplace. It's very difficult to plan in, in any kind of realistic, reliable way. So leaders are under an awful lot of pressure. And actually being under pressure is is not helpful when you want to be humane, when you want to be actually attending to other people and being sensitive and uh, uh, what I call humanistic about it. So it's genuinely hard for leaders to do that. And I also think that you you said, what kind of leadership is needed today? Also, the fact is an awful lot of people today are traumatized or semi-traumatized or recovering from being traumatized or, living with someone who's traumatized or their best friend is traumatized from the last few years. And so we're deal- as leaders, we're dealing with people who are in a, in, a, in a very difficult experience. So how we deal with those people is gotta be different from how it used to be. And then on top of that, we as leaders as well are under enormous pressure and juggling fear and concern. Is my business gonna survive? Is it gonna be competitive? Am I going to be agile enough to to respond to the changes that are coming down the line that I don't know what the change is going to be from five minutes to the next? We just don't know. So it's very challenging for leaders. I think most leaders know the type of leadership that's needed. I think most leaders are doing their best. And I think if anything, what I'd love leaders to do more of is to take more care of themselves in the sense of looking at themselves and saying am i getting the nourishment and support that i need am i really looking at what's most important to me and for my business or am i just kind of running along behind you know like being on the end of a rope tied to the car that's traveling too fast being dragged down the road or am i in the car driving the car and do i know where i'm going have i got a map you know or am i just surviving and so i I'd love leaders to really be asking themselves those questions and and saying right if you if you are not getting the support you need get the support you need because your people need you to do that they need you to be in a fit state to lead them in in an inspiring way in the right direction you know and and to have the strength to deal with all the issues and the barriers and problems as we Go along. So being humane starts with the leader's relationship with themselves. And from there, they can then do it with their board and then their board can then do it downline and so on.
0: Right, Catherine. Now let's look at leadership uh, in two ways. One is somebody who owns a business and is under pressure to make it run as smoothly as possible. Yeah, Small businesses. They have their own challenges, medium sized businesses. They have their own challenges. Yeah. But what about those businesses which are very stable and they have leadership? They are CEOs. They are they are CEOs because they are supposed to be competent. They have to provide leadership. Why should they be under pressure? Is it is it about bottom lines? Is it about the board's expectation? It is about or is it about their own expectations? About some exalted status, exalted position, perceived sort of greatness that they they have, and they want to achieve that. Many people do tend to thrust that among them uh, to to themselves, as you said about self-care. How yes. and that is also leading to a lot of problem. How do what would you like to look at that uh, uh, that sort of a leadership? Because sometime just few months back, BBC. Ran an article on its website that said, talked about you know toxic words workplaces, and in that they talked about you know how uh, passively aggressive employees are existing, and they are making a very difficult time for the good ones. So only 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 a leadership has to check all these things. Where is that leadership now? So I wanted to, from you to look at this from two different ways. One is the real pressure. One is the created pressure. Or own uh, enhancement of their own type of uh, status that they have created for themselves. How do you look at that? In politics, we expect leaders to step down. Why shouldn't leaders, when they when they are expected to be human, to deal everybody humanly, uh, humanly? why can't they step down and give position to the right, uh, right ones? I <laughs> want several questions at the same time. Yeah, because how do we expect? Change in societies and these people go to different places, give those big, uh, big, what you call thought leadership lectures also. I've been a journalist for many years. I know about these things. So how can, how do they do that when, when, when you talk about leadership in politics, leadership everywhere, you have those different norms of expectations. How do you make sure that leaders walk the talk that they do all the time, uh, that, that they, so how do you look at several things at the same time, Catherine, but, you know, they are so interrelated. So I thought I would ask them together so that you can uh, answer to them at your own pace.
1: Thank you very much. Well, I, I could spend three hours answering those questions, but I will I'll, I'll try and sort of come in at, at, at one angle on that. So you said the thing about how can a leader deal with the fact that they've got all those pressures on them and all of those expectations on them. But they still want to be humane and the answer is for a leader to do that a leader has to be very strong it takes great strength to do that and great courage and courage comes from the heart so it's it needs great heart great strength great courage to resist those pressures and to find a way through that is actually going to work and that's still going to deliver what the business needs so good leaders are strong, they have a lot of strength within them, but there may be some aspects of their strength which are almost hidden from them. You know, you've heard about hidden potential. You know, I've worked with a lot of people who've got the most extraordinary skills and capabilities and virtues and qualities, and many of them they're using consciously, some of them they're using unconsciously, and some of them they don't even know they have. So for a lot of leaders today, I think what they need to do is do some investigation, do some research into themselves on an inner level to find those roots of strength they're going to need in order to do what you're talking about, in order to be able to stand up and say, right, I understand what you expect from me. I understand what I have to deliver for the good of the business. I'm... I'm learning and understanding about what my people need from me, which of course keeps changing every five minutes, so you have to keep looking. And I'm gonna somehow metabolize all of that and bring that all together and deliver a good outcome for everybody, which is a hard thing to do, but it takes strength to do that and imagination. And that's something a leader has to find inside them. So, And that's work, finding that in... It's like, I live in Wales and in Wales, People dig in the ground for gravel and, and limestone. and It's hard work with big machinery, and it takes an effort. And they're out there in the rain and the cold, right? D- digging into ourselves is hard work as right. well, right? It's not easy. So people say, I know I've got to look within, right? I'll do it this evening at 8 o'clock for five minutes. No. it, it It's hard work, and, and it takes dedication. It's, and really, if leaders want to do that, they have to make it into a project, you know, make it into a project and commit resources to it, time, money, energy, space. and actually delve in and find that strength within, bring it out and use it. And then they find their own solution to that problem. because for every single leader, the solution is different. It's not the same. You know, we, we look for the Holy Grail of the answer that works for everybody. There is not one in leadership, because it's got to be authentic to the actual leader. It's got, it, it can't be, the leader can't put on a mask of, I'm now a humane leader. It's got to be human, the humanity of the leader coming out through their eyes, their voice, their hands, the way they are, so that they have to find that within themselves, that no one can tell them what that is supposed to look like.
0: Right, right. But- as they say, you know, justice should not just be done; it should also be seen to be done. Yeah. Yeah. When you've got a leader who is humane, but you can't keep it in the shadows. They have to; that has to percolate down to the organization because that is how you set that culture. That work culture is yes. very much uh, known to everybody in the uh, in the whole system. Yeah, a lot of leaders, if we understand, are good. They have good intentions and yeah. they are not those dubious, dubious ones and actually want to then What is it that they can do to make sure that the message that they are expecting the organization to be humane as they are and that message has to pass across? Is it that their, uh, their communication channels are uh, not working? What is it that stops them in passing their messages when they have got an internal communication team? External communication team and so many other systems within them, the CEO, the HRO, CHRO, and all those, you know, CXOs. And still, if they're not able to, the first requirement of a leader should be about communication. Why are they not able to communicate? And if you can't communicate, then are you a leader indeed?
1: Well, exactly. And the thing I I used the number of times I've gone into companies and they said, why are people not getting these messages that we want them to get about um, engagement and goodwill? And I said, well, let me have a look at your how you're doing it. I would look they, at it. Go, they
0: should, Catherine, sorry to inter- interrupt. They should hire this company, which sends spam messages on their behalf. At least their messages will reach at least within their organization. You know, I think <laughs> can get so much as spam and SMS. <laughs>
1: That's evil. Um, that's an evil idea. But um, yeah, so I would so I would look at what they had in place and I would say, this is all going in only one direction. This is just going in one direction from the top down to the people. That's not a relationship, that's an instruction, right? And it's like you can't walk into a room and for a group of people and say to them, Be happy. It doesn't work, right? And people say, but I told them to be happy. I told them louder. I told them again in writing to be happy. No, that it only works when it's in relationship. So a lot of organisations now have these two-way processes where people can communicate up line, down line, across line, um, teams that run across process process lines, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And that really is very, very important. You know, having those structures that open the way for communication to flow in every single direction is very important. And I think a lot of organizations are getting good at that now. But I think more important and actually more difficult than that is the embodiment of the message. So that's where the leader themselves in their presence, in the way that they are, they are expressing the thing they want to express. And they're expressing it in a real way because they are literally working on it in themselves. And that shows. It's like if someone goes to the gym and they go to the gym regularly, and then they come home and they're walking around the house. They don't have to say, I've been going to the gym and working out. People can look at them and go, damn, you're looking fit. You know, The way you walk across the room is completely different from the way it used to be because your body has changed. You know, And it's the same with what we're talking about here. Someone's body and face and voice actually is different when they are really connected to those things. And once they've got hold of that, then it's through relationship. It's through relationship with the people reporting directly to that leader, which is usually the board. So it's their individual relationship with the board members that then has to also be vibrating in that same way as a genuine human relationship. And they've also got to then engender that in the relationship between the board members on the board and then teach those people to do the same thing down line. And now that is hard work. It's incredibly fulfilling when people actually do it. It's a wonderful experience, but it's work and it's not straightforward. And often in organizations, people don't think they're gonna be able to do it. Often people think, I'm not sure I'm gonna be able to manage that. So I will hire some consultants to come in and communicate for me to my people. And that's like someone saying, I doubt, my, I doubt my ability to be a good husband. So I'm going to get someone else to come and talk to my wife on my behalf. That's weird. <laughs> okay. Awesome. So it's exactly, exactly. No, I'm not knocking external consultants. You know, I am one, right? So use them, but don't use them instead of being in relationship with your people. Use it in addition.
0: Right, right. But when do even leaders realize this, that they have that all things within their reach, even external consultants, when they are not able to use internal mechanisms, when most of the time you talk to board members, you are on board with the board members in terms of the targets, in terms of the profit, but you are never in disagreement in the type of organization that you want to build. And several times, Many CEOs, they just want to uh, create enough opportunity for themselves so that they can become a bigger CEO of a bigger company. How does that work in the practical sense? And many people are introverts, they are timid, even if they have been given the designations, those big designations. How can they become, you know, full of, how can they realize their own full potential that you are a master of, that you teach to so many people? So let's look at the th- both the things together. And, you know, all these leadership traits or not having those traits, in spite of your designations, will impact your personal lives Because at some time, you will also think about sexu- uh, uh, self-actualization. Yeah. How do you how do you attain that particular level that will torment you as you go along? So my question is that how can top executives make a significant shift in their business and their personal life? To actually realize what they want to, what they are all about. And even if they are not about, they realize they should be doing that. What is right? Humanity is right. Being human is the ultimate truth. What else do we want for ourselves? How do we see? How do you say here, Catherine?
1: Yeah, well, the, the first thing to do is to decide to do it. That's that's in a way that's the hardest step. And that's a very courageous step, actually, because the minute you decide to do that, you are risking finding out about your self-limiting beliefs, finding out about your regrets, finding out about your weaknesses. People never think about the fact that they're at risk of finding out about their strengths and their wonderful qualities, right? Which of course they will find out about, but it's 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 quite a scary thing. Particularly, I don't know where you are if it's the case, but certainly in the UK, and to some extent in the US as well, People are nervous of embarking on that journey because they're they're worried about what they're going to find out about themselves. And they're concerned that they're going to find out that they are less of a person than they wish they could be. Now, in my experience, that's usually a mistaken expectation, but very often that's there. So the first step is to recognize that and to make a decision and say, no, I want to do this. And the second step is to decide how they want to do it. So some people do it very effectively, literally on their own. I know people, leaders who've done it on their own, but they've done a lot of reading, they've gone on retreats, they have taken up yoga, you know, they've meditated, they've uh, taken ayahuasca, you know, whatever they've done, they've, they've, they've literally done a hard path on their own doing that. Some people work with a coach or facilitator like myself and that's actually easier because you've got someone helping you and someone who's experienced on the path. Not experienced on your path, but experienced on the path, right, which is different. So that's important. Some people go to group experiences and sign up for, you know, large group experiences, small group experiences. Some people work with um, peers, colleagues, where they decide to do this together as buddies, um, I personally think that the ideal situation is to do some of everything. So in, in my life, for example, I'm always doing personal growth work on my own, personal growth work with, with uh, like a coaching type support person, personal growth work with peers, personal growth work in, in, in small groups and also in very large groups as well. So I'm and reading. And listening to podcasts. So I'm always doing some of all of that. And that is actually ingrained in my life. And because of that, uh, those different ways of doing it nourish me in different ways and inform me in different ways. That's the ideal. But I would recommend to any leader, find a way in that is the way that is most comfortable for you to begin with. And just build your strength a bit in that method. And once you've done that, then look at the other methods. And then build those in to strengthen you from there. So that's my usual recommendation.
0: Right, Catherine. And what about people or young people who have that leadership potential? So maybe the next generation, when they start taking over things and looking at the world in a fresh perspective, how do they recognize or understand about their potential? You talk about mastering. Our full power and potential. How does one know about it? Maybe this sort of a uh, suggestion from you, some advice from you will help the younger lot as well as the present generation of leaders to maybe chisel their own leadership skills and make it better, make it much more humane. How do yeah. they do that?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, for young, young people, there's so much variation for young people in terms of, where they've come from, and uh, what frame of mind they're in. When you say young people, you're talking about people in their 20s, yeah. that sort of age. So immediately I would say what, wh- you know, what are the things you're drawn to? What are you drawn to? And out of the things that you are drawn to, some of those things are going to be just for pure pleasure, let's face it, when you're in your 20s. But some of the things you're drawn to uh, are things you're drawn to because they have meaning for you or they're fulfilling for you or in some way. So that's the first question I would always say, what are the things that have meaning for you already in your life? And are there things that used to have meaning for you when you were a child or even an early adolescent that you kind of lost hold of, but that really had meaning for you then? Because I think a lot of us in our very early years have experiences of meaning that are actually very, very important for us. And if we can go back and find those and revisit those, sometimes there's something in there that can help us with our direction. And when it comes to leadership, it's difficult for people that age to to really know what their leadership style is gonna be because they're they're so young, right? But what they can do is they they can look outside of them and say, what kind of leadership have I witnessed or experienced that actually touched me and that I resonated with? So whether that's parents, teachers, um, sports coaches, people they've watched in the movies, um, podcasts, you know, just look outside. Who are the people who, who you feel inspired by? And why do you feel inspired by them? What is it about them that inspires you? What qualities do those people have? What are the things that they're doing, and maybe capture it all. Start a book, you know, capture look, capture all these notes, and just keep researching, keep researching, and you will find you will find some common threads coming through that are telling you something about what is it that is most meaningful for you, and what kind of leadership do you most believe in and, and think is a good thing. So that's what I would say to a young person. But I'd also say talk to older people, find older people who you admire. And say, look, um, come you know, let me come to your house. I will clean your kitchen. Okay. And then will you give me an hour of, of your wisdom?
0: <laughs> right, right. And maybe they can get a lot of wisdom from you by you know following you, by looking looking at your website, by you know, by getting and also listening to your podcast. And yes. also about organizations, those leaders who may want to engage with you. Professionally, so how do they do that, Catherine? What's the best way? What are the websites? What's the way to connect with you?
1: So the, be- the first thing to do, the best thing to do, first off, if people have kind of felt some resonance to what I've been saying today, the first place to go is my podcast, which is called Truth and Transcendence, and the right. and is the ampersand, the squiggly thing in the middle. So that's the place to go first because there's a whole range of topics there. And a whole range of different guests and uh, solo episodes as well, and that can give somebody a really good idea of the sorts of things they might like to, you know. And if that resonates, then the website is a good place to go to, which is yesyounow.today.
0: Right, right, and and then they can engage with you. So first they have to; it has to have resolution. What about organisations? Should they? uh, Is there a better way, quicker way? For them to connect with you
1: people can just go to my people can just go to my linkedin profile and just contact me anytime they like you know they can just phone me up um it, you know if they're overseas they can just call me on whatsapp anytime anyone can call me anytime but most people prefer to you know watch me and listen to me secretly for a bit first Before they do that to make sure that, you know, they're not going to waste their time. But I'm always delighted to hear from people who just call me out of the blue and just say, look, and this does happen. People call me and say, look, I've just heard your podcast. I was listening to you on someone else's podcast. And I've just got a question. Can I talk to you about this? And uh, yeah, that's that's always great.
0: Right. Right, Catherine. So my last question to you, Catherine, is that, you know, uh, Talking of secrets, you share your secret. How? What keeps you going so strong? So stronger than a lot of leaders, I can see around, at least around me here. So, what is it? Because you do so many things. You are uh, a, a master humanistic psychologist. You give, uh, you know, so much of uh, advice to people. You are also uh, running a podcast. You are a podcast host. How do you manage to? still go so strong and because that needs a very strong mind also how do you balance it how do you give good leadership to your own self which is so much required in today's time please well, share that story.
1: thank you for asking that's a good question i i'm very for I, I i've always felt very fortunate in my life that i've had some great people in my life and that really helps me also, across my life, I've made a, a series of very difficult decisions to and choices to let go of things that that don't work or that are not uh true to my values in my life and sometimes that I've done that as some risk to myself you, you know risk of losing money or risk of losing friends or whatever and I've been quite courageous in that regard throughout my life and so now I'm in a place where there's there's no bad clutter in my life. And when there's no bad clutter in someone's life, there's a lot more energy, and there's a lot more enthusiasm. And I also, uh, I do various practices that support me, you know, um, I'm involved with um, energy healing work, uh, conscious dance, I dance regularly, I go for walks, I look after my nutrition, I'm happy, Um, I have a lot of love in my life. So So it's a a kind of a mixture of all the choices I've made in my life. And I think as well, I made a decision a long, long time ago that I wanted to help people. And I very quickly realized that I can only help people if I'm at at least a bit better than they are in terms of my state of mind. So I've got to be a bit healthier than all my clients. Right. And, And a bit happier and a bit, you know, just so I've got something I can give them you know, so that's, so I, I keep myself in a good state, obviously for myself and for my loved ones and for my clients, you know, it's part of my job to do that so that I can be there for my clients in a way that is, is beneficial for them.
0: Wonderful, wonderful. With so many nuggets of wisdom, you know, with this, it's a wrap of this very special edition of the KJ Masterclass Live. Thank you so much, Catherine, for Thank you. Us.
1: Thank you, Ajay.